Today, we have the honor and privilege of having with us Norman Chomek. She is the advisor to the Speaker of the Mongolian Parliament. She is by training a lawyer who has been in now in the legislative section of the Mongolian state. Welcome to Reason, the New Indians platform where we get to the reason behind the issues that concern you. Welcome, Ms. Norman Chomek. Hello, very nice to meet you. Thank you. I have been in Mongolia for the last 10 days and it's been a fantastic journey. And I want to understand how has Mongolia grown uh, legislatively? How has Mongolia changed in the last few years through legislation? You are an expert in law by training. You have been a lawyer and you can probably tell us how has law helped Mongolia become a more efficient and a stronger democracy? As you might be aware, uh, Mongolia transitioned to a market economy and democratic regime in early 1990s. Um, so it's been the la last 30 years has been a very transitional um, period of time for Mongolia, uh, especially in terms of um, private property, market economy, how it works in Mongolia, because we've been in the um, uh, socialist regime for the last 70 years. So speaking of the last few years, I, I guess uh, I should start from the constitutional amendments that took place in 19, uh, 2019, actually, under the leadership of uh, the current Speaker of the Parliament, Mr. Zandan Shatar. Uh, Mongolia made major amendments to its constitution. So the constitutional amendments basically uh, aimed to um, have uh, better governance, more uh, check and balance uh, that is workable in the current situation, um, and many more uh, that actually um, became the basis of uh, founding uh, democratic institutions in Mongolia, such as the political parties we've included uh, the main um, principles that we will adhere to in founding political parties and for activities of political parties. So uh, with the co constitutional amendments, we have now a um, constitutional framework for the cabinet to work um, in a more stable, um, more stably, because uh, in the last 30 years, uh, I think the average uh, period of uh, one government, one cabinet was 1.6 years. So it's, that's quite short, uh, considering that the parliament election period is four years. Mm -hmm. So we've now uh, have um, uh, the, uh, uh, the mechanisms where the government and the parliament can effectively uh, basically check and balance um, the government uh, powers. Um, so you have changed the duration of uh, the uh, elected government's time period. Uh, can you explain uh, the time period for the president, for the prime minister, for the parliament? Can you give our audience a brief, perhaps an overview of how Mongolian parliament functions? Okay, great. So Mongolia is a parliamentary democracy. 
uh, but it has but its, its own characteristics. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the parliament is the uh, the supreme body of uh, governing the uh, uh, the country. Uh, the general election takes uh, place uh, uh, once in every four years. And Mongolia is a unitary uh, system where the central government has the uh, more uh, power. Um, and then the parliament, of course, elects its uh, cabinet uh, from uh, itself. Uh, we do have the cabinet, the prime minister responsible for answering the, uh, to the parliament. But at the same time, we have a president who is elected actually from the from the uh, people? It's not elected from the uh, parliament, but from the people. Directly from directly from the people. So the duration for the president's uh, time and prime minister's period is they are different. Um, it was same uh, before 2019, but it was changed with the constitutional amendments. With the constitutional amendments, now the president. The term of the presidency is extended to six years, and the president can be only elected once. So there's no second term or third term. So that uh, president can represent really the people of Mongolia and the country without further, you know, concerns over so, getting uh, elected. So du during those six years of president's time, president's term, uh, basically there is only one parliamentary general election. Well, it can be one or two because the parliament's general election is once in uh, four, four years. years. So the general, the, the, la the latest, uh, last general election took place in 2020, and the next will be next year, 2024. But the presidential election took place in 2021, and so the next will years. be 2027. Yeah. yeah. So there's a difference. Why is there this difference? Does it have a logic behind it? Uh, well, the uh, philosophy behind is that um, the president is the symbol of uni unity of Mongolia, and it it should um, ha it should function as a basically a balancing uh, mechanism between the government institution. And if the term of the parliament and the term of the presidency would be the same, the check and balance might not work well. So okay. there's a gap between the term. And in Parliament, do you have a lower house, upper house? Do you have that kind of a system? The Mongolian Parliament is just one chamber uh, parliament. So uh, we have 76 parliament members at the moment, just one chamber. And then actually the president, although it's a, the institution of president elected from the people, can partially also function as the, you know, the similar to the second, the yeah, upper, upper, upper house, house yes, yeah. of other yeah, so in a way, you do have two chambers, but it's like president's chamber and then the prime minister's or the cabinet. Cabinet, yes. yes. Exactly. Uh, so in the last few years, what are the major legislations which you have made for, let's say, social welfare of the country? So um, the Speaker of the Parliament now uh, promulgated basically the legislative initiatives. Um, we call it the New Recovery uh, Legislative Initiative. And it basically uh, comprised three sectors. One is, as you say, is a social welfare. So on social policy and social welfare, uh, we are currently uh, working on uh, the package of social security laws. Um, to basically increase the social security for the people of Mongolia. 
It comprises of, of course, the pension system. It comprises um, social welfare for the people. Uh, and the draft package law is still being discussed um, at the parliament. Um, in social policy, we also are just now currently uh, discussing the education law. So education is basically the basic of uh, the f foundation of uh, every country, how it would uh, see themselves in mm -hmm. 10 years and et cetera. So the parliament is now currently reading the, the package of uh, educational law uh, that aims to bring reform in, in the Mongolian educational system. The third is um, uh, health uh, sector. Uh, the government is working on uh, of several actually initiate uh, legislative initiatives on healthcare sector, including um, social health uh, law, uh, because I think the the government um, so far focused on providing medical services treatments to the people. Now the government is changing, uh, shifting its focus on actually preventing diseases and providing um, inclusive healthcare. Uh, services to its people. So that's basically the on the legislat legislative agenda of the current parliament. The second line of reform we are trying to do is on the uh, business sector, mm -hmm. improving the business environment and uh, foreign direct investment and decreasing uh, the government's participation in markets economy, yeah. uh, providing, you know, making more space to the to the business sector, the private sector, to have a healthier competition among the businesses and etc. And uh, several uh, important legislations uh, are actually uh, being prepared and submitted to the parliament. Uh, so India also used to have quite a challenging system of doing business. In fact, uh, we were very low on the ease of doing business uh, list. What about Mongolia? Is it easier to do business in Mongolia? Have you made legislations which, you know, bring some kind of a reform which makes it easier for foreign direct investment? Yes, indeed. Um, Mongolia ranks, well, I guess, in the, in the middle range of doing uh, business in terms of um, the index. It scores quite high on in terms of um, uh, the legal framework. It has um, world standard uh, legislative frameworks, but it, the, I think the weaknesses for the government or for Mongolia in doing businesses on the enforcement of contracts. So the efficiency uh, of court system and efficiency of uh, enforcement uh, mechanism is still uh, uh, needs to be worked. But in the past, uh, government has uh, uh, government and the parliament has worked on uh, several key legislation on making the business environment uh, better. One of the key legislative reform we did is on uh, permitting law. So uh, for businesses to get permits and licenses uh, from the government, uh, there has been a criticism that it's, you know, it's very bureaucratic, it takes long time and maybe there are too many um, requirements for getting permits. So with the uh, legislative reform on law and permitting, we decreased um, the number of permits actually required uh, for the whole you know, um, country. Um, in every se business sector was decreased to uh, 400 or 500 from 
2,600. Uh, so the number of uh, required permits and filings were decreased and the procedures were simplified. And it became easy for the businesses to apply for and get government license and permits. How easy is the immigration policy of Mongolia? Uh, do you have any uh, legislation which invites more immigration into Mongolia? So immigration, um, it's, I, I would say it's um, relatively um, liberal and um, well-built system. So, uh, I mean, the immigration office has uh, uh, different, of course, visa uh, types for, for the, depending on the purpose of the visit. So for investors and for business purposes, there are certain types and it's with required documents, it can be easily applied and um, received. Um, this year, uh, the government is trying to make um, Mongolia uh, as a tourist destination. So it uh, announced and uh, basically 2013 will be visit Mongolia year. And with that, we are also currently doing legislative reform in the area of tourism. Uh, and uh, with that, with the tourism law, we are trying to actually ease the requirements for getting visas to uh, travel to Mongolia. So we are uh, digitalizing, so online application, application. of visa is uh, being um, introduced in the draft law. And I think uh, actually the draft law will be passed in the next couple of days. How has this particular government focused on development? What all has hap been happening on the development front in Mongolia? Okay. Um, so I think um, the government and the parliament is currently focusing on a um, number of issues. And I think the most priority issue is uh, corruption and fighting corruption and eliminating the risk of corruption has been um, a big um, task for the government and also to the parliament. So on that front, uh, the parliament is initiating and passing uh, different legislative um, uh, documents um, uh, and setting a long-term policy on anti-corruption. It's basically a hindrance to development. Yes. It's, it's identified right. as one of the biggest um, challenges and hindrance to uh, development, development yeah. in Mongolia. So the government is focusing on that. In India, in the West, uh, there's so much going on LGBTQ. Um, what are the laws related to to LGBTQ communities, other minorities, and human rights in Mongolia? So Mongolia, as you know, um, is dubbed as kind of uh, oasis of democracy in Central Asia. So uh, citizens of Mongolia enjoy the freedom of speech, uh, the right to assembly, and right to expression. And that also applies to LGBTQ community. The society is becoming more receptive and inclusive of minority groups. In terms of uh, legislative matters, um, at the moment, Mongolia does require that the marriage should be between two opposite sexes. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, the law legislation uh, evolves really um, based on the society, how the tradition and how the society is, whether the society is actually ready for that. So I think the Mongolian society is very open to, to the debate. Mongolia has also several tribes, different uh, regions also, but 
majority of the population lives in Ulaanbaatar city. Uh, I want to understand what kind of laws are uh, there for rural sections of Mongolia. You, even though I think 40% people still live in rural areas, uh, but larger communities are coming to Ulaanbaatar city. How are you coping with this rapid urbanization around one big city, around the capital city? This is probably one of the unique uh, cases in, in the world where the largest amount of population is in the capital city. Yes, indeed. I think statistically almost 50% of the population lives in the city. And then Mongolia's, I mean, vast, the territory of Mongolia is um, quite big and um, it is one of the most sparsely populated uh, country in Mongolia. So. Um, the uh, concentration of population in, in one capital city has been um, a big issue for Mongolia and is one of the uh, big topics for the constitutional amendment that took place in 2019. So with the constitutional amendments, we have revised the local gov government, lo local administration law, providing more, I guess, uh, power uh, and self-governance to those um, local governments. Uh, but at the same time, um, uh, Mongolia, uh, with the constitution, assures uh, um, uh, right to actually travel and live wherever they want. So recent, in recent years, the government has um, uh, initiated a program to have um, urban and rural uh, balance um, and with, uh, f uh, in order to implement that, the government has initiated several, I guess, incentive programs for people to migrate back into the countryside and work there, providing more incentives to work in the countryside. What kind of incentives? So um, the incentives include uh, um, financial, mostly financial uh, incentives. Uh, you get also subsidy in doing business uh, and uh, um, doing business in rural areas. The investment law also provides more tax incentives in the form of tax stabilization if you do more business and investment in um, rural areas. Are you able to uh, cater to the basics in Ulaanbaatar city for everyone? Is there enough infrastructure or are you building more and do you have a plan for the capital city for perhaps, let's say, next five years? Because this issue is very central uh, to the government's policy, uh, with the, uh, they uh, have a new minister in charge of decentralization and decongestion in the cabinet now. Um, as you said, um, I think the population of the Ulaanbaatar city is increasing rapidly and the infrastructure and the development of um, basic infrastructure is not catching up. Uh, but um, uh, with uh, urbanization, you know, building more buildings uh, instead of having Gary districts, um, having more planned city is, uh, has, been, um, has been the agenda of the government. Uh, also, um, the government has, uh, has announced that uh, it will build several uh, satellite cities. So you were talking about these 
um, satellite cities that are going to come up in Mongolia in the next few years? Yes, we have a new airport called Chinggis Khan um, recently uh, opened uh, to cater for uh, international travels to Mongolia. And uh, our government is building and planning and building a satellite city near the uh, airport so that the congestion and uh, uh, centralization of Ulaanbaatar city can be dispersed. At the same time, the parliament um, last year uh, adopted a resolution to establish a new city in um, Orhon Valley, Karakorum, which is historically being, uh, historically was uh, Mongolia's capital city since uh, the 14th century. So I think a big uh, plan to build a new uh, city. You are um, one of the few women who are working in the power circles of Ulaanbaatar and Mongolia. Uh, I want to know what has the government done legislatively for the empowerment of women? Where do Mongolian women stand today in the Mongolian power structures? It's a very topical question because at the moment the parliament is reading an amendment to the election law and um, political party law. So in 2011, uh, the parliament enacted a law on gender equality. And this law basically aimed to uh, ensure gender equality in all sectors uh, of uh, spheres of social life, including um, family, uh, in education and healthcare, and also in decision-making and power circles. Um, unfortunately, the implementation of the law has been not uh, sufficient. So now the government is uh, initiating and taking leadership in um, including uh, and providing more gender equal uh, mechanism for women to climb up to the power circle and be more representative and participative in, uh, in decision making. Um, in the amendment to the election law, the government is uh, increasing the gender quota from 20% to 30%, so one gender, it can be, of course, male, and yeah. at some point, maybe male. Yeah. Uh, uh, one gender uh, be at least, uh, would be represented at least 30%. And then we are also introducing a proportional system uh, to our election system, where the in the party list, the gender uh, representation will be one versus one. Okay. So it's not like in the top 10 or top 15 men and then women in the bottom, but it will be like women, men, So women. candidates yeah. who can contest elections. Yes. So it will be almost like 50%? Yes, in the proportional list, in the proportional part of the election, it will be 50%. So this is perhaps happening for the first time in Mongolia's history? Yes. And uh, apart from being in, in the ministry, in the, uh, in the parliament, where what is the status of women in other spheres, let's say civil services, let's say engineering, let's say medicine, let's say law? Mm -hmm. What is the, um, are Mongolian women in all the spheres competing or are there reservations, affirmative action for women in other spheres? Mongolia ranks um, 
relatively high in gender gap, gender equality gap index. Um, I think it ranks very high in education and healthcare. So that means um, women can get um, health services uh, similar, or maybe better than men. And education, more women are educated. If you look at the higher higher education institution, I think more than major, uh, more than half uh, of the class will be women. And then if you look at also uh, sectors like uh, general business sector, I think uh, the executive, one third of the executive director of Mongolian top businesses is woman. Um, in sectors like uh, education and health, actually there's reverse, I mean, I guess, gender equality. Uh, perhaps 80, 90% of the, of the um, labor is Woman. Okay, education and health. Education and health. What Mongolia lacks um, in, in gender equality gap is in decision making and political participation. So, this is where we are working that on. That is why there is this legislation happening. But at, uh, at the school level, at the college level, university level, uh, you have free education for everyone or for Girl, child, are there any such laws? Um, so for education, we have free education for all primary education that is promulgated in the constitution. Uh, and girls and boys can have equal education. We have co-education. Um, and I think um, the higher you go up in, in terms of levels and education, you will see more women in the classroom. Okay, and this is without any affirmative action. This is without any affirmative action. And I think that's basically culturally in the blood of Mongolians. Yeah, so talk see, about that. Uh, you, you will see that uh, scholars and famous historians wrote that actually Mongolian queens in the Middle Ages, in, during Chinggis Khan and 13th and 14th century, had more power actually than yeah. men because they were the ones who would actually be at the home where men are in war, uh, yeah, in so the they would know, they would be in power of all. Um, um, Healthcare, education, social welfare. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, during the socialist uh, regime, I think one of the key philosophy of, uh, of that period is that is gender equality and woman is very, uh, um, had equal rights. Equal, equal rights and the workforce participation and economic participation is very high. And that actually... That has carried on. Carried on. Even during the parliamentary democracy. Even during the parliamentary democracy, I think. And uh, <clears throat> tell me, uh, what about the crime against women in Mongolia? Is it something uh, which is of concern or Mongolia has been generally a peaceful nation where crime rate is low? I think I would say it's not unique. Okay. Of course, um, in some crime like domestic violence, most of the victims are women. Um, but at the same time, um, the studies show that uh, boys are more prone and vulnerable to um, okay. domestic violence if you look at the child, uh, mm. child um, yeah. statistics. Yeah, so both you're saying, both culturally as well as legislatively, women have freedom. Women can take up any jobs in Mongolia. There is no restriction, no prohibition at a cultural level, social level, and no prohibition at the legislative level. 
definitely no prohibition or no cultural restriction on for a woman to take up any job. Uh, there are women in mining sector. Uh, we have um, uh, generals like uh, in the army, women are generals. Uh, and uh, that's quite normal. So women, women are like actively in military as well? Yes, if you, if, you, if you want, you can join the military. And then we have our women generals um, in um, peacekeeping operations. We do have women, Mongolian women participants. But uh, uh, they, do they, are they trained for combat, combat services? Uh, there's no um, compulsive military service for women. Okay, it's no, not, yeah. not compulsory. Not compulsory. Uh, but then why have women in Mongolia not entered politics so much? We don't, we don't hear too many, uh, about too many Mongolian politicians who are women. I think it, the, the factors and reasons would be very universal, you know, going up to, I think for mid-level career, women are very successful, but because of uh, family, uh, and uh, children, children, um, they uh, their opportunities to go up to the hi hierarchy and be in the decision make making sphere is um, is uh, low. Is low. At the same time, specifically in politics, I think the current system for election and political activities is uh, kind of restricted to women because the Mongolian election uh, politics requires a lot of financing. A uh, woman might not have as many avenues as uh, men ha would have. Now, you as a woman who has you know, been in private sector and then switched to public sector, uh, tell us, like, how has this transition been? And do you encourage more women to, to join the government, to join politics and to be in the power structures? Well, definitely. I mean... I joined the public service two years ago, uh, and it's kind of, it's been a, quite a transformative uh, experience for me. Um, but the uh, joy of um, public service, I mean, doing public service, is that uh, that we still do have a lot of hope that we can make positive changes, and it, we see the uh, results. Uh, so it's it motivates people uh, for those who want to do. Uh, better the society um, and make positive changes to, to the society. Well, on that note, thank you very much for this opportunity to talk to you about Mongolia and Mongolia's lawmakers. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you.